0: Hello, and welcome to this season's first episode of The Daily Weekly. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Jennifer Meir. Today we'll be discussing a couple extremely big changes on campus that have occurred since we left in the spring. These include the end of Michigan time, and of course, if we can hold back our tears, the closing and renovation of students' beloved Michigan Union. Really, I have not talked to a single person who's happy about this. Anyway, we'll also be talking to LSA junior Yoav Jacob, who will discuss working as an EMT on game day, as well as Jasmine Lacaze, a senior in the School of Education, who is a Black Welcome Week committee member. So let's get going. Since the 1930s, the vast majority of University of Michigan students' lives ran on what was known as Michigan time, starting each and every class 10 minutes after its designated start time to allow students passing time in between classes. The tradition ended this year on May 1st, and now classes begin at their designated start time and end 10 minutes early. A couple reasons for the switch include the fact that certain schools and colleges on the Ann Arbor campus actually never followed Michigan time to begin with, and so the change effectively standardizes everyone's schedules. It also better aligns with off-campus events. Here's what students have to say.
1: Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the tower time. Um, it's been um, it's been fine ter- in terms of like getting to class. I think the biggest issue is that professors will not end at that time ever. So the tr- basically the transition time has been lowered altogether because of this. Even if, like, like ideally it's not, they, then the professors abide by it. So it's kind of a bummer.
2: If anything, some of my professors
0: have just both started a little bit late and ended kind of early. <laughs> so, like, that's kind of chill. But I'm just a freshman, so I never um, had, like, regular Michigan time. So I don't know. But a lot of the professors are just, like, really trying to get used to it, I think.
3: I think it, it should have been left the way it is. Because um, everyone's, like, kind of so set and already... You know, wow. in their time, so now it's kinda of throws everything off. Yep. And I know even classes I've had, like some professors are still like going to the end of class, they're letting out ten minutes early, how it's supposed to be. And so I feel like it's still just causing a lot of confusion.
1: It's actually horrible because I'm about to be late for class right now because of it. It's really hard to coordinate a work schedule when you don't have
3: Michigan.
0: Next, I'm here with Yoav Jacob, who is an EMT and actually worked this past game day when the Michigan football team faced Western Michigan. Game days are notorious for their rowdy, alcohol-driven tailgates. And for some freshmen, believe it or not, there's a chance this first home game day provided them with their first sips of alcohol. So thank you so much for being with us today. Um, Why did you decide to do an EMT shift in the stadium on game day?
2: Yeah, so as you said, the the game days are notorious for fun activities happening all day. Um, So I decided to do a shift kind of to get a little more experience about what that sort of stadium life is like from my emergency response sort of perspective, Um, because I'm kind of interested in the field. And that was just a really good opportunity. Um, it's also free for entry, so I don't have to, like, nice. have a ticket, which is really nice. <laughs> that's awesome. So that was pretty cool. And I got to kind of see the stadium before 100,000 people are in it, which wow. is not something everyone gets to see.
0: No, it's definitely not. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um So what kind of things did you see on Saturday? I'd imagine that's kind of an exciting, weird experience, especially that it's, you know, the first game day of the year. We have this whole new crop of people coming through.
2: Yeah, definitely. So there were a lot of, you know, tailgates as that that happens. So coming in, I saw a lot of those activities starting up because I got there about 8 a.m. at the stadium, 8 or 9 a.m. That was a bit before the game for at noon. Um, So in the beginning, I kind of just saw all the staff members of the stadium and I didn't realize how many people are really there because there's a, there were like 80 90 EMT paramedic people around the stadium in addition to all the staff members the mm-hmm. event coordinators and those sorts of personnel so actually on the ga- during the game I saw I think I had four or five patients most of them were as a result of some intoxication issues um, I did hear that there was a person who had uh, another real medical emergency mm. but beyond that um, not much that to see. Yeah. Just because it was a really cold day, so yeah, it was sure. the first game. But this weekend I'm a little concerned because I saw the, the forecast is gonna be in the high <laughs> mid eighties. Right. And that means alcohol with hot weather, it's not the best sort of equation going on there. So
0: Sure. And yeah, I mean that'll be interesting to see what happens this uh this Saturday. Um I guess you kind of would think that the it kind of there's less and less problems as the season goes on, but this might be kind of a spike in game two. Because yeah, it's still of the, kind
2: of early in the because season. Because of the weather.
0: So. <laughs> and um, did anything surprise you? I know um, you mentioned there were, sounds like, four or five um, patients, but um, beyond that, I just, I don't know, if you also mentioned the stadium was, nobody was there, so that's pretty cool. Uh, just anything about the day that surprised you?
2: I think the most surprising thing was just the sheer number of people that actually go into running a game. So you talk about, you know, there are 80, 90 paramedic, AMT people. There are another maybe 100, I think, event coordinator people who are just kind of walking around making sure people are OK. And there are, you know, all the players also in that whole team set up. So I didn't even get to see that much of that. But there okay. are just a couple, probably thousand people running the stadium, mm-hmm. essentially.
0: Nice. Yeah. And um, what do you think if you could provide suggestions just kind of from your own perspective? um, What do you think students need to know about game day safety?
2: Yeah. So most most people don't realize that it's okay to ask for help. And emergency response is there for the emergencies that happen. Um, There are a couple students that we saw kind of sitting in corners and we had to kind of go over to them for them to get the help they needed. So definitely if you see something, say something. just be aware of who you are. And if you're not feeling great, then go ask for help.
0: Absolutely. And I guess we'll see what happens on Saturday when all of this, you know, we have our first hot game day. Yep, (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for meeting with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. news, multicultural groups on campus planned Welcome Week events this year to welcome students from various communities back to campus. Student groups, including but not limited to the Black Student Union, the African Student Association, and the Arab Student Association hosted a variety of events. I'm here with Jasmine Lacaze, a Black Welcome Week committee member, to learn more. Jasmine is the founder and president of the Pan-African Student Union Partnership, programming chair for the National Council of Negro Women, and the social outreach chair of the Caribbean Student Association. So Jasmine, thank you so much for taking the time to come out and speak with me. No problem. really appreciate it. Um, so one thing to start us off, um, last fall, and I don't believe we have the numbers for this fall, but last fall um, underrepresented minorities at the University of Michigan made up only 12, uh, 12.8% of the undergraduate student body. So looking at that number, what is the importance of having um, the, the event that you planned in addition to just kind of these multicultural welcome week events in general to bring students back to campus?
3: Well, I think it's important because coming to a PWI, we have all of these worries and things that we don't really know about, but we've heard about that scare us. And I think it's kind of hard to find your community and your group on a campus so large. So being able to be surrounded by people who look like you and who may have like the same ideals as you in your first week, even before classes start, it gives you like a little bit of hope even though when you get to classes, it won't be the same, but like you always know the organizations and a few people that you can go to around campus that'll just be there for you if you need them.
0: That's awesome. And I think that, yeah, you know, I kind of switching a little bit, I guess, you know, when a lot of students think of welcome week, this may not be the first thing that comes to mind. And how does this compare to what a lot of students may think of when they hear, you know, quote, welcome week?
3: (laughs) I think it's, it's funny because when I first thought of Welcome Week before I came to college, I just imagined all these frat parties and first, nothing educational. Second, I didn't think it'll be like a cohesive list of organized events. But I don't, I don't wanna say one is better than the other. I think they're both great ways to get acquainted to campus. Just one is more
0: diverse. Absolutely, and can you tell us a little bit about what uh, Black Welcome Week entails? Is it located in a specific spot? Is it more more decentralized? How many students do you get? And then also, is it mostly freshmen you're coming in who are looking to make a community at the university, or do you also get a lot of returning students?
3: So we also get a lot of returning students just because it's such a large variety of, of events. Sure. So like our biggest one was Umoja.
0: Yeah, it's like
3: it's like a festival on the diag where we have like a dunk tank, a DJ, food, snacks, and it's like a little party out there where it's just like everyone comes together because it's multiple orgs that help put it together. We also have events like game nights and trap yoga is a favorite, and it's just both undergrads and freshmen come in. Freshmen go to as many as they can because it's stuff that they've never really done before, and upperclassmen tend to like go to their favorite events or like ones they just suspect will be really, really good. But it's just a good way to meet new and old people. It's a way to get reacquainted with people you've met once or twice or like people you want to get to know better. It's just a good way to come together and be around other people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was actually going to be one of my other questions. So the Emoja Festival, is that that's specifically for Black Welcome Week? And could you describe that a little bit? Is that what is that the, the dunk tank and all those different activities? Or is that a separate uh, thing?
3: No, the dunk tank and the games and the food and all of that is a part of Umoja. Um, It is a Black Welcome Week event. This is our second year doing it, I believe. Um, And it's just a really fun event. It's put together by the African Students Association, the Black Student Union, and the Caribbean Student Association. So it's just like three cultural groups coming together to plan this like really great, really fun event for the community.
0: Uh, So thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We really appreciate it.
3: Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: The Michigan Union, for many, served as the center of campus. Not only did it offer a variety of unique study spaces and meeting rooms for student orgs, it also held a Starbucks, an Aubon Pen, and several fast food restaurants on its ground level. The cozy, dimly lit brick building closed in May and will not reopen for 18 months as it undergoes what some consider a warranted restoration and renovation. This means, however, that current juniors and seniors will be alumni by the time the space reopens. The whole project will cost $85.2 million and was approved by the university regents last year. The new union will boast an enclosed courtyard in which students can study, an idea hub, which is a new collaborative space for student orgs to meet. It will also restore the original floor plan for the main level. Needless to say, the loss of the entire space for the school year has sparked some mixed feelings.
1: I didn't use the union all that much except for maybe for meetings that like in my like couple years at Michigan. Um, it's definitely kind of, I, I really miss ABP and their like salads, that's kind of a huge bummer. And it's it's not I, I'd say that the league rooms aren't really as great for meetings all the time. I know that for one of my orgs, like we have a huge fundraiser every year and that was in the ballroom of the of the um, union, so we don't really have that anymore. So it's kind of I think it just kinda of lessens what you can do on campus.
0: It's a little bit strange, but then, um I live on North, so I'm primarily around there, so then I go to Pierpont often, but like a lot of my friends are like um unsure where to go for like some stuff because of the union being closed. yeah, that's
1: really depressing, too, because I'm a senior, and I really liked it in there, and I have nowhere to get books <laughs> um also very stupid, also really mad that they did not clear a path from the union to behind the union i literally live behind the union i had to go all the way around so at michigan fix
0: that that's it for our first episode i'm jennifer Meir. please tune in next week for our second episode of the daily weekly this episode was produced by colin beresford maya goldman audio engineer ryan cox and managing podcast editor avery friedman